history buffs and my native Californians. Welcome to the Golden State Podcast. I am your host, Dylan Tucker, and do we have a treat for you today? In today's episode, we will explore California's role throughout the American Civil War. It's quite disappointing that almost all of the Civil War history taught in K-12 and in college courses focuses on the events that occurred in the eastern half of the United States. Even the historical textbook The American Yacht classifies the battles that occurred in Tennessee, the Mississippi River, and New Orleans as the Civil War's western theater. California only enters the Civil War conversation with the Compromise of 1850 as a preceding factor that led to rising tensions between the North and the South. What really gets lost in translation is that California was very active throughout the Civil War and played a significant role in the Union's victory over the Confederacy. During the Civil War, California suppressed secessionist and Confederate ideology in California, recruited volunteers to defend the West and fight in the war's eastern theater, fortified and built military forts and camps across California, and even funded the Union war effort through shipments of gold. And as a quick side note before we begin, the specific titles and authors for the most important articles discussed in this podcast will be covered at the end. Thank you. Before the start of the Civil War, Californians debated whether to remain neutral, join the Union, join the Confederacy, or separate and declare their independence. It was really the Confederate attack at Fort Sumter that swayed the state as a whole to favor the Union. Although this is not really surprising given that only 7% of the state migrated from the South, according to an article published by the California History Journal. Pockets of Confederate support did remain in California throughout the Civil War in the form of small, loosely organized groups. There were secret societies like the Knights of Gold Star and the Knight of the Columbian Star, and even bandits and privateers, most of whom residing in Southern California. California responded to these threats by stationing federal troops in areas of Confederate support and organizing Union Leagues. The presence of military troops around these areas, as well as other strategic points in California, made it difficult for Confederate sympathizers to organize and coordinate a Confederate uprising in California. While Union Leagues were pro-Union groups established during the Civil War that also aided in the reporting and subsequent squashing of suspected Confederate activities and ideology in California during the Civil War. California contributed many volunteer units during the Civil War, which prevented Confederate ideology from taking hold in the West. This was significant as the Western frontier was loosely populated and covered a huge swath of land. American historian Hubert Howe Bancroft covers this sentiment best in his quote, The population of the whole Pacific coast, including Utah and Colorado, was not equal to one-fourth of the single state of Pennsylvania. Yet to the volunteers of this sparse population was entrusted the labor of R and avows the section. Despite that California did not have a military draft, several Union-led military units arose from in-state volunteers. In fact, the number of volunteers exceeded the number of men called to serve. Richard Henry Horton, a California Civil War volunteer himself, who would later become Brigadier General of the National Guard of California, stated that California is credited with 15,725 Union volunteers. This number amounted to two regiments and one battalion of cavalry, eight regiments and one battalion of infantry, one battalion of mountaineers, and an additional 500 men that served the state of Massachusetts. 
Except for troops sent to Massachusetts, the California volunteers did not participate in the major battles occurring in the eastern theater of the war, but they were importantly tasked with preventing the Confederacy from establishing a foothold in the West, relieving U.S. troops stationed in camps and outposts across the West so that these troops could join the fighting in the eastern theater, and even guarding U.S. interests from Native Americans. Arguably, the most important of these units were the California Column, a unit consisting of 1,800 men led by Colonel James H. Carleton, which were charged with routing Confederate soldiers and sympathizers occupied in the Arizona and New Mexico territories, and served as a deterrent against any potential land invasion into Southern California. This feat was accomplished through a grueling land march spanning 900 miles beginning in Fort Yuma in Southern California and ending in the Rio Grande River in New Mexico. Their march began in April 1862 and ended in September that same year, recovering Southern Arizona and New Mexico for the Union. During their march, the column faced no major clashes against the Confederate forces. However, an article published in the Historical Society of Southern California reported that this was because Confederate soldiers abandoned or scattered from their post before the arrival of the California Column. Following their arrival to the Rio Grande, the Column continued to defend the southern border, fight Native Americans, and maintain Union control over Kansas, Colorado, and the lands west of the Rocky Mountains until the end of the Civil War. Now, you may be asking yourself, why didn't the California Column and other volunteer units like it participate in the fighting in the East? Well, this is mainly due to financial and budgeting constraints facing the Union Army's War Department. Remember that during this time, the Transcontinental Railroad was not finished, and the journey from the West to the East and vice versa was a costly and dangerous one. This, coupled with the costly fact of feeding, training, and supplying a military force, made this approach impractical. Despite these hurdles, though, Californians eager to participate in the Eastern Front found a loophole. They found that while the Union did not support travel and accommodations to the Eastern Front, the state of Massachusetts could raise troops in California and send them eastward to serve as their state's military quota. Throughout the Civil War, 500 volunteers would take this opportunity to fight for the Union cause. The patriotism and sentiments of these volunteer units are best captured by one of their own officers, Captain Reed. When they first arrived in the East in early 1863, Captain Reed said, We come not as citizens of California, neither as citizens of Massachusetts. We come as citizens of the United States, and we are proud to enroll ourselves under the quota of Boston. The battalion would go on to participate in over 50 engagements in the war's Eastern Front, and even witnessed General Robert E. Lee's surrender at Appomattox Courthouse, April 1865. During the Civil War era, California maintained and built numerous military fortifications and camps across the state. These fortifications were designed to consolidate power in the state, especially against Confederate and Native American threats. Some of these fortifications exist and are recognizable today and include Forts Alcatraz, Point, Baker, Mason, Bragg, Yuma, and Humboldt, to name a few. Now, let's go into a little bit more detail and discuss how some of these forts impacted the Civil War. In Southern California, there was Fort Yuma, which was made into a strong military prison and controlled who traveled from Southern California to Texas and vice versa. 
This was done to prevent Confederate sympathizers from entering California or leaving California to join the Confederate armies fighting in the East. An article published by the Historical Society of Southern California says that this was done by requiring these travelers to have issued passports obtained by only certain military commanders. In Northern California, San Francisco Bay remained a crucial port to the Union during the Civil War and was heavily fortified as such, particularly in Forts Alcatraz and Fort Point. Union General George Wright wrote in a letter on January 1862 commenting on the fortifications present at Forts Alcatraz and Point, saying that they were fortified with 140 heavy cannons. And an article published by the California Historical Society Quarterly described the defenses at Fort Alcatraz in January 1861, saying that it stationed 120 soldiers, was encircled by batteries, had a guardhouse and barracks which could house an additional 600 individuals, and had three storage rooms that could each store 10,000 pounds of gunpowder. Fort Alcatraz also became a military prison for the Department of the Pacific in 1860, where it would later imprison Confederate sympathizers during the war. In addition, Fort Point had cannons facing inland to defend against potential land invasion by local rebels. Fort Alcatraz and Port and fortifications later built on Angel Island guarded the entrance to the Golden Gate during the Civil War. Now, the last point I want to discuss today is California's financial contributions during the Civil War. Wars require money, and due to the presence of gold found there, both the Union and the Confederacy eyed California as a cash cow to fund their own war effort. Fortunately for the Union, most of California, with the exception of some areas in Southern California, remained allied to the North at the start and during the Civil War. The importance of California's financial contributions to the Union is best captured in a quote from the Union Army General and later President of the United States, Ulysses S. Grant. I do not know what we could do in this great national emergency were it not for the gold sent from California. The Confederacy attempted to capture California's gold via land and sea routes, but the Union prevented both avenues. An article published in the UCLA Historical Journal even states that the Confederacy failed to capture any gold transported from California headed to support the Union. The eventual success and adoption of Winfield Scott's Anaconda Plan, which included a naval blockade across the Confederate coastal waters and ports, allowed the Pacific Mail Steamship Company to ship gold from California through the Panama Canal to New York. In an article published in the Alexandria Gazette in 1861, a typical shipment of gold ranged in value from 750000 to over $1 million. Now, taking the average of these two numbers and adjusting it to inflation today amounts to $27,500,000 a shipment. Furthermore, maritime historian John Kimball states in his book, The Panama Route, 1848 to 1869, that shipments peaked in 1864 with the Union receiving $45 million in gold shipments to support the war effort, an amount that equates to $800 million today when adjusted to inflation. By taking control of these shipment routes, the Union was able to fund their war effort and deal a massive blow to the already financially insecure Confederacy. And with that, concludes my discussion covering California's role in the American Civil War. 
Now, if you want a quick summary, here it is. California discouraged Confederate ideologies, recruited volunteers to defend the West and fight the Confederacy in the East, built and strengthened military forts to consolidate power, and funded the Union Army with generous shipments of gold. And for a little treat before we go, sitting with me in the studio is Laura Slabone. Hi, Laura. Hi, Dylan. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, I know we both grew up in California, so I imagine we have similar education levels, but uh, where did you go to school? Yeah, you know, I actually went to school in San Francisco. Uh, I went to college in San Francisco, so this whole entire presentation really touched on a lot of uh, key heartstrings for me, especially like going to school there and living there for an extended period of time. But I went there uh, to actually pursue an art degree, um, but yeah. Yeah, and... Uh... With uh, your education, I know you probably took California history some point in that. Did any of this come up in your class? No, it didn't. And, you know, it, honestly, that was like one of my big takeaways is how do we not know about this, especially when I'm living in the city in which I went by that port and I went by, you know, I've gone by all those ports all the time, walked by, like um, brought family to, to, to vacation and all of that. And I never knew any of that. Mm -hmm. I know one of my... Um... Uh, surprising facts was that uh, Fort Alcatraz housed Confederate soldiers. Um, did anything else in this uh, uh, podcast stand out to you at all or anything that you remember? I mean, I think that number one is definitely, uh, you know, like you said, Alcatraz, like just some of the, the key things that are big vacation destinations, especially let's use Alcatraz as a perfect example. Everyone just knows of it as a jail. Nobody or that area, that's what they know of Alcatraz. They don't know any of the previous history behind that. Um, and I think that that would be, I mean, really beneficial to know so we don't learn that history. And I think the other surprising factor is that, you know, we don't learn about this in school. I mean, eventually no one's going to know about it at all. Uh, you know, I do, I do know that other states, they actually have, you know, U.S. history and then they have their state history. And, you know, now listening to this, I kept, kept thinking to myself, wow, I really wish I would have had that not only in college, but also just growing up and knowing about this ahead because I really learned a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you for your comments and insights. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And everybody come listen to Dylan's podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And before we go, I'd like to give a few shout-outs to today's sources of information. The information covering the suppression of Confederate ideology in California came from Gilbert B. F.'s article titled California and the Civil War, a bibliographical essay published in the California Historical Society Quarterly, and Gilbert B. F.'s article titled The Confederate Minority in California, published in the California Historical Society Quarterly. The information covering the recruitment of volunteers to defend the West and to fight in the Eastern theaters came from Spalding I, article titled The Attitude of California to the Civil War, published in the annual publication of the Historical Society of Southern California. Kippy LP, article titled California Soldiers in the Civil War, published in the California Historical Society Quarterly. Hunt RD, article titled Fifteen Decisive Events of California History, Part 3, published in the Historical Society of Southern California Quarterly, and Cooney PJ's article titled Southern California in the Civil War Days, published in the annual publication of the Historical Society of Southern California. The information covering the fortifications and military forts in California came from Spalding I's article titled The Attitude of California to the Civil War, published in the annual publication of the Historical Society of Cal Southern California. 
Patterson Jay's article titled Capturing California, published in California History. Chandler R. Jay's article titled An Uncertain Influence, the Role of the Federal Government in California, 1846 to 1880, published in the California History. And Gilbert B. Epps' article titled San Francisco Harbor Defenses During the Civil War, published in the California Historical Society Quarterly. And finally, the information covering California's gold shipments to the Union came from Chatlin N.P.'s article titled Controlling California Gold Steamers, the Panama Route in the United States Civil War, published in the UCLA Historical Journal. That's all for today's episode. I am your host, Dylan Tucker, and come back next week for another episode of the Golden State Podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>